Hi, welcome back to the horrors. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. And here we are. We are in primetime spooky season. Installment number two of our Haunted House series. That's correct. And we are here today with Malevolent. Yes, we thought it was a little appropriate to talk about Miss Flo, (laughs) as the internet has been calling her. But Florence Pugh in all her glory of maybe one of her lesser known roles. Right. Definitely the most pronounced hair extensions. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite fashion of hers. She looks great. And honestly, I'm thinking about dyeing my hair. (laughs) The color that she has in that movie, she looks great. But we're talking about a little film called Malevolent that came out in 2018. It is a Netflix film. It's not your typical haunted house story. I'll say that. It is not. It starts out much less assuming than what it becomes. So we'll just go through our ladies and we're just going to jump right the fuck into it because this story is wild. (laughs) Okay. So our main ladies, we have Angela, who is played by none other than Florence Pugh. We, of course, know her from Midsummer. She was in Black Widow and most recently, Don't Worry Darling, which has been getting a lot of attention for a multitude of reasons. We have Beth, who is played by Georgina Bevan. And then we also have Mrs. Green, and she's played by Celia Imry. And she stars in the 1994 Frankenstein adaptation. She's in the Bridget Jones film series. She's just in an insane amount of British TV and film roles, but those are just her horror adjacent. Bridget Jones's diary is horror adjacent. <laughs> I know, I stopped myself on that. <laughs> Well, I was just trying to think of, I forgot that I had written that, but it's what she's most well known for, but it doesn't matter. That's what she's known for. (laughs) And Malevolent the Film is actually based off a book called Hush by Eva Constantopoulos. Isn't there a horror movie called Hush? There is a horror movie called Hush that is directed by Mike Flanagan, who... Damn, you just knew that. No, because Mike Flanagan's like one of my favorite horror directors, but he does a lot of horror TV. Well, he does all the Haunting of Hill House series. Uh, Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. He most recently is releasing The Midnight Club, which is coming out on Netflix very soon. And I also just like that he... It's kind of like Rob Zombie, where he puts his wife in a lot of things. I love Kate Siegel, and she stars in Hush. I've been wanting to cover Hush for a while, so maybe we'll do that soon. Okay. That's like a more home invasion, so not spooky house for the reasons we're talking about a spooky house today, but spooky nonetheless. So let's get into it. Okay, let's fucking go. So we open up Malevolent. It is 1986. We are in Scotland. And we're going to forget what year it is frequently (laughs) in this movie. At least I did. I also did because of the fashion, but the equipment that they use, I think, keeps us grounded. But honestly, like, I don't know. I had no idea what time it was. (laughs) (laughs) We have Angela and Jackson. They are American siblings who are currently packing up a small car with their two friends, Beth and Elliot. We later find out that Jackson and Beth are an item, and Elliot wants to be an item with Ange, but we'll see. They pack up this car, drive and arrive at this small little neighborhood house with a father and a daughter. They are there to do a sort of spirit cleansing. Apparently, they have a service that they arrive. Angela has a gift that she inherited from her mother where she can communicate with spirits and help them make it to the other side. So they are there, and we are getting Jackson being the fucking worst. 
after our discussion last week about Josh, I literally texted Elise. I'm like, we have another J name that can't be excused because Jackson is a slimy motherfucker. He's so slimy. He gets on like the level of a scared little girl who obviously just like lost her mother in some accident. It's like, we're going to get your mom to heaven. It's like, oh my God. He's giving like youth pastor energy. But worse. Way worse. I also wrote that Elliot and Beth are the Specs and Tucker of this operation because they are the tech people. Oh my god, they are. They do not have as much amazing chemistry, though. They're pretty separate because they're both infatuated with the siblings. Yes. Yeah. Like, they're not focused on each other as much as they're focused on Jackson and Angela. Yes. So Angela's the one with the gift and Jackson is the quote-unquote brains behind the operation. We also get the context that Angela and Jackson's mother died five years ago, and Angela uses this as a way to connect with the grieving husband. Jackson leads Angela to a part of the house where apparently the mother's spirit has been the most prevalent and says, sell it. And she says, let's just get this over with. So we're very quickly getting context that they are running a bit of a fraudulent operation where Angela, quote unquote, uses her gift to help these spirits get to the other side. And Jackson is very much business minded and is only using this as a get rich quick scheme. Yes. So while Angela is in the sewing room, it's where the mother would spend her time sewing and tailoring as she did in her life. Angela's in this room with Elliot and cue sound effects that make it sound like the ghost is talking. Maddie, her name is Maddie, is talking with Angela. Angela says something like, I now set you free into the next world. Something very generic and very quick. This is a very like, come do your thing, be done situation. And the sound effects make it sound like Maddie has left the room, the seance is done, and Jackson immediately asks for payment. (laughs) Yeah, I hate his lack of tact. He is always so quick to be like, oh, what's the amount we agreed on? All that kind of, like, he's so suspicious. But I mean, that's the thing, like, Elliot and Beth play a role in this, a lesser role, but they're still complicit because Elliot is playing the recording like on his hip. Like Mm -hmm. him and Beth have pre-recorded these sounds, obviously to make it seem like it fits in with the narrative that this family has told them about. So it is really schemey. Angela then notices something in the sewing room. She's looking at these mannequins and one moves, like turns its head and looks at her. Her nose begins bleeding, very Eleven from Stranger Things style Mm. when she uses her powers. And one of the mannequins then jumps at her and this causes her to fall back. And Elliot's like, you can stop now. (laughs) Like, like, we're not acting anymore. And you could tell that Angela's like, oh, yeah, that's right. But like, she's still looking and being like, I actually saw something. We actually didn't solve anything. But Elliot's very quick to comfort her and be like, you know, I'm not filming you anymore. Let's just go. So later they hit the bars, they're drinking, they're dancing, and Ange is talking with her brother about, again, this whole business scam situation they have set up. She is pissed at him and, you know, reacts very negatively to him when he says that he is ready to, like, take the whole of Scotland with this scam. And if I know anything from watching Outlander (laughs) on Stars, it's that Scotland has a very rich history of folklore. And so I don't know if that's the kind of reputation he's pulling from in order to set roots here with this scam business, but Ange is not into it. The idea of using the reputation of their late mother to promote this business, 
She leaves her brother inside the bar and goes outside and Elliot follows. And she confronts Elliot about the quote unquote joke that happened earlier with the mannequin. She's like, you know, you didn't have to do that. You know, you scared me. And he again says, I don't know what you're talking about. Confirming for real that what happened with that mannequin was not planned and was very much supernatural. Later that evening, she is going through a box of keepsakes of her mother's things, and she finds a letter that suggests that her mother was discharged from a psychiatric hospital. So we're beginning to think like, oh, does she have similar powers as to what Angela did, and it was just seen in a different way? So the next morning, the phone rings asking for the medium service. The woman on the other end of the phone says, how soon can you come out? I can't get them to stop screaming. The girls, I hear them every night. Oh my gosh. Also, did you notice that when she woke up this morning, it was the same shot that the movie started with? Oh yeah, I do remember that there was like a mirroring there. We forgot to mention that in the opening. I just thought that was interesting. I guess it was trying to tell us that she's been curious about these things maybe for a little longer. Yeah, But yeah, a very unsettling phone call. But Anne right away is like, actually, sorry, we're booked and hangs up the phone. (laughs) So she draws those boundaries pretty quick. So the next thing we see is Jackson doing visualizations in the mirror and listening to self-help tapes. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, this dude, I hate him. And then you see him looking in the mirror and repeating, she has a gift. She has a gift. She has a gift over and over and over again. So you could tell he's almost trying to like manifest. Is Angela legit? Are they going to be successful with these things? It reminds me of when Esther was practicing how to say mommy in the mirror. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The next scene we have, Ange is at school. And I guess she's maybe in some kind of graduate program to get maybe her PhD in psychology or something. Is she an undergrad? I I couldn't tell either. I I mean, it seems like it's a prestigious program, whatever it is. And she gets pulled into her professor's office to chat. And we get from context clues that she is not doing well, but her professor still seems to have faith in her that she could really do well. She seems like a naturally gifted student, despite her shortcomings as of late. But as Angela is sitting in her professor's office, she gets another nosebleed as she observes some kind of weird like fidgeting happening with the doorknob. So maybe she's having another experience or sensing some kind of other spirit there at that time. There's a one shot where you see her looking past the psychology professor and a man exits the door with blood on his hands. Um, okay, so let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so I realized. <laughs> I realized, partially because of this movie, that of all of the movies we've watched, ghost scary movies are the hardest. I cannot stand the buildup to the jump scare if there is going to be one. That's part of the fun is like, you don't even know if there's going to be a jump scare. So I fully, I can't say that I saw the whole, (laughs) I can say, I can say that I heard it. I can say that I had half a vision when like I was looking between my fingers. I can say that about halfway through, I got so fed up. I Googled all the jump scares in this movie so I could manage but I did not see the man with the bloody hands. We all thought Cannibal Power Hour was going to be the hard part. This is the hard part. And that's the thing. Cannibal Power Hour had me feeling like I had all my confidence restored from Mother. And I entered this little theme month and I I am broken down again. <laughs> I am fully broken down again. <laughs> so the next scene, Angela visits her grandfather 
And you could tell the grandfather isn't doing very well. He's like drinking in the middle of the day. Uh, just a bottle. Just a bottle. Just a bottle of bourbon. Mm-hmm. They have a conversation about his daughter, who is obviously Angela's mother. And she asks him, what was she like? He goes on to say that Angela's mother pushed everyone away, went to America, started that godforsaken business. So we're assuming that this is like a paranormal investigative business, and then met Angela's father. That was the last that most people heard of her. Angela asks, so she disappointed you? And then he just like drinks this whiskey from his bottle. So you could tell that there's like a lot going on here. He goes on to say, she was locked away for years talking about voices in her head, nosebleeds, talking to people who weren't there. And then she has to go and end it. Your mother was afraid. If she had more strength, she'd still be here. So this is obviously giving us some context that Angela and Jackson's mother killed herself, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps due to paranormal things, or maybe because she was mentally ill. Obviously, that line really hasn't been drawn. And we also get context through this conversation that Jackson owes the grandfather money from his last get-rich-quick scheme. So this is drawing a very clear pattern between Jackson doing very shady things and trying to involve other people in his business. And if grandpa's exposition wasn't enough, the next scene we see is Jackson waiting in an alleyway when a car pulls up, brief conversation about money, and then Jackson gets whacked across the face with a crowbar because he doesn't have said money. So we got the visual to go with the auditory, Jackson is really bad at money. So then we see a scene of Angela at the library looking through newspapers, and some of the headlines include foster home serial killing, little girls murdered. (laughs) And this is intercut with Jackson answering the phone and saying, no, we're available. Who told you that? Mm. So we can obviously tell that Angela is looking up the crimes of the house of the folks that tried to get them for an investigation. And Jackson is now accepting that they're going to go and get money from these people. So Jackson confronts Angela about this. Angela says, I just wanted a fresh start. You know, we're just doing the same shit that we did back at home. So again, this is giving us the idea that maybe they took over their mom's business back in the States and it wasn't working. You know, Jackson says, you agreed to it. Fresh starts aren't cheap. You made me agree to it. Well, how do you think we've been getting by? So they're just going back and forth. And Jackson's like, it's going to be like any other gig. Oh, my dead kid, I miss her. Oh, my dead wife, she won't leave us alone. Boo fucking who. All we gotta do is put on a damn good show and she sleeps better at night. And Angela says, well, I'm not a hustler like you and mom. But then Jackson bites back with, ever since mom killed herself, all you've done is judge me for how I've dealt with it or didn't deal with it. Mom scratched her eyes out because she couldn't handle reality. This is our reality. She left us shit. All we got is grandpa who barely knows what day it is. You think mom was some victim. She wasn't. She left us. Remember, you better get control of whatever is spiraling in that little head of yours. Otherwise, you're going to end up a nutbag just like mom. Damn. And then he goes from berating her to begging her real quick. Like, (laughs) they're going to kill me. Like the loan sharks and stuff like that. So Angela is obviously distraught by this. And this interaction upsets Beth. She's packing. She says she's going to go back to London. You know, these loan sharks know where we live, but Jackson assures her as soon as we pay off this guy, they'll be gone. And yeah, Jackson is just a piece of shit. Yeah, very shitty, very manipulative. That night, as the house sleeps, Angela hears a noise and wakes up to inspect the house. 
she is hearing somebody whispering her name. And when she follows the sounds down to the kitchen, she sees a woman standing there who turns around. I wrote, oop, it's mom with no eyes in the kitchen. Yeah. A very scary scene. And right away, Angela wakes up and then goes to see Jackson and agrees to the job. I'm like, why? I don't know. (laughs) Why is this the catalyst to you being like, I can do this. I I can be fraudulent too. I don't know if she felt like her mother being there was a sign or if she was afraid that denying what was happening was going to make her go crazy. Maybe she was just feeling determined to face whatever the fuck was happening. That's a good point. She also says in the dream, the mother says, I can't find your brother. So I Hmm. thought about that and was like, oh, like the gift? Yeah. Ooh. That's what I'm thinking. I was thinking like, is she telling Angela to take care of Jackson in a way? And Angela perceives the way to take care of Jackson is to indulge him in this. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It took me a minute to figure that out, but it still is like not narratively sound in my opinion. (laughs) The team heads to this big fucking house. I said, the team arrives at Foster's home for imaginary friends. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's true. (laughs) Oh, I wish that we watched this movie together because if you said that, I would have been able to handle anything else that came my way. All I I needed. I forgot I wrote that down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so everybody, it's Foster's home for imaginary friends, and they meet Mrs. Green. Okay, so they get to know her a little bit as they sit in, I suppose, the parlor. Did you write down this thing that Jackson said where he's like introducing the entire team like, oh, this is Angela. She's the one with the gift. This is Elliot. He's our technician. And also Beth, who is very technical. (laughs) (laughs) He says that about his own fucking girlfriend, which just proves how like not a factor Beth plays in this movie. But I just thought that was- I love that. Oh my God. I love it and I hate it. I I hate hate that I love it. And I love that I hate it. (laughs) Mrs. Green has a flyer, and right when Jackson asks how she got it, she kind of ignores him, and the conversation has changed. But am I correct in assuming that she had a flyer that they hadn't printed yet? Weren't they, like, working on changing their flyer or their advertisement? Well, what happened was... She starts giving them history about the house and Jackson interrupts her and is like, before we get into it, can we just outline the details of our agreement because... He wants to agree on the money because part of the reason that he's trying to tell Angela they need to take this job is because Mrs. Green is offering them double their normal rate. Uh, yes. Okay. And okay. she has a flyer that says money back guarantee. And he's like, where'd you get that? So he's pissed that <laughs> they have to wait for payment until after the job is like successful. So she starts talking about these girls and they're not her daughters. Are they her daughters? No, it was a foster home. Okay, right. So it is literally Foster's home for imaginary friends. Precisely that. She talks about these girls. She worked at the school and oversaw these kids. And she got to know these girls really well. They were so sweet. She starts giving dialogue about her son, whom we know is to blame for these murders based on the newspaper articles that Angela found. And of course, this conversation. Mrs. Green starts talking about how she wishes she saw the signs. She didn't realize that her son was going to murder these girls, but now she just wants a quiet house. Yes, and the murders occurred 15 years ago, which you had a problem with. I have a big problem with this because, okay, so it's supposed to be 1986. 15 years is going to put this in 71. These girls look like they're from 1901. (laughs) Okay, 1901. 
Yeah, because Mrs. Green shows Angela pictures of the girls, Missy, Tammy, and Claire, and then also pictures of Herman, and yes, they look very colonial. Everything is in sepia tone in these flashbacks, which I think it just dates everything so severely. Like, there were color photographs available in the 1970s. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, The Wizard of Oz came out in, like, 1947, right? Like, it just... We can be doing better. We can be doing a little bit better. Again, who knows what time it is? I don't. I was so confused. (laughs) It's especially the fashion, and that's something I loved so much about Angela in this movie, is, like, she was giving elevated Wednesday Adams, and I loved it. The Wizard of Oz came out in 1939, by the way. I just had a vision. Am I channeling Angela? (laughs) (laughs) You are. So next scene, Jackson and his tapes are walking the house. Again, more motivational bullshit. And the gardener scares him. And all this does is to show us there is a gardener. This was when I Googled the jump scares because this scared the fucking shit. Really? Yes. Oh, man. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) so scared. So then the team is game planning their staging area. So they're talking about fake tapes that they're going to get to play that they've pre-recorded to make it sound like the girls are there. Angela then sees a very real ghost girl walking and humming. She gets a nosebleed, which again is an indication that her powers are being used. She goes and follows one of them. There's a jump scare by Elliot. It's stupid. They hear some creaking. Angela is checking all these bathroom stalls because she feels as though she's being like pursued by this ghost at this point. So she locks her and Elliot in a bathroom stall, which looks like it's Elliot's wet dream. Like he's happy as a clam to be there. But then there's a ghost girl that pops up with them in the stall. And it's a girl with her mouth sewn shut. Mm. Then Angela sees this, freaks out, and passes out. As you do. As you do. Meanwhile, Jackson and Mrs. Green are having a conversation where Mrs. Green starts letting on that she might be a little skeptical of the whole thing. She tells Jackson to stop his showmanship. So she has just about reached her wit's end with him. Back in the bathroom, Ange comes to and her and Elliot have a moment where he admits that he has been excited to be spending time with Ange, even though he is aspiring to be a big Hollywood filmmaker. Okay, okay. And Ange kind of flirts back, but only saying like, yes, I know that you feel this way. (laughs) So I don't know if it's flirting or her just being like, I am aware of the situation. Thank you, Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) He reminds me of Paul from It Follows. Oh, yes. Like that that level Mm -hmm. of just like subservient. That's the thing. It's like, yes, you like him, but you don't at the same time. And I can't tell what I was supposed to feel. Yeah, like I can't tell if he's pathetic or endearing. Yes, exactly. There's also a moment between Angela and Jackson where you can tell Angela's like spent and Elliot's like, should we leave? Like she looks like she's not doing well. Mm. And Jackson's like, no, we got to continue on with the job. And then he like corners her alone. He's like, you know, I love you, right? And it's like so manipulative. I hate him. Oh, it is the worst. Really weird. It is. Re- Who tells someone they love them like that? Who's like, you know, I love you, right? <laughs> Hey, I know you're passed out on the floor or you were just passed out on the floor, but I'm going to just make you know one more time that you better get it together because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God. He's the worst. Worse than Josh. 
Okay, if I was with Jackson and we broke up and I met Josh, I would marry him in a heartbeat. I'd be like, this man, oh, you know what he does? He makes me laugh at bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he can't name one of my songs and doesn't know where my sheet music is. You know what this man does? He does what I ask him to do the third time I ask him to do it. How amazing is that? But he can astral project and I can't, so oh he's just God. so special. I knew our love was supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Angela starts inspecting the building. Of course, she has Elliot tailing as per usual. And she walks into one of the areas of the house where the bedrooms were for like where the kids of the orphanage would be or the foster home. She starts talking to the room. She introduces herself to the girls. She knows them by name at this point. Mrs. Green had shown her pictures that she had been carrying with her to be able to determine who's who. Music starts playing that is very freaky. And it reminds me of the Ready or Not music. Oh, it's really? Like, run, run, run. Oh, la, la, yeah. La, 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 la. Yeah, it's eerily upbeat for the moment. And so she finds a doll on the ground with its mouth sewn shut. And she continues following the sound of the music. And as she gets closer to its origins, she sees Tammy, one of the girls. And Tammy just kind of appears and makes eye contact and starts walking away. So Angela follows her and we can hear based on the dialogue between Jackson and Mrs. Green that are watching the video that this is like a restricted area of the house that they are starting to enter. And shortly after they make it through to this area, the floor fucking collapses on Elliot and he falls through the floor to some room beneath. So Jackson then leaves to go help Elliot because he's fallen through the floor. He has broken his ankle and the camera is like hanging by like its cord and like the dad, get the dad, get the dad. <laughs> of course, Jackson's being an asshole and is like, we got to continue. And Angela's like, he's hurt. We got to stop. But eventually they find a ladder and Jackson and Angela climb down. Jackson finds all these creepy dolls, and then Angela starts peeling off the wallpaper to find out that help has been scrawn on all of the walls, and it's very creepy, and she realizes the girls were kept down here. The camera is still on, so Mrs. Green and Beth are getting shots of the help on the wall behind the wallpaper. There's a head with a sewn-up mouth down there, so okay, we're getting like a theme but then they openly start talking about, like, the scam. Like, we just need to stick to the script. I'm like, the camera's still on, motherfucker. What are you doing? Like, is this how Mrs. Green starts getting an idea? Or has she always known? Like, I don't know. Like, the movie shows shots of empty corridors throughout the house where you can hear this conversation happening. Right. It is very much giving the sense that somebody is listening because of the nature of the shots. But I don't know. Mrs. Green seemed like she was onto them way before Right, especially since Jackson's like a horrible businessman. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Angela and Elliot start arguing, saying that like, Cammy let us down here for a reason. Angela is seeing shit for real. Jackson is, of course, dismissive, saying like, let's just finish the job. Angela says, I'm done scamming. They're arguing, just as you said, as like the house pans over whispers of the girls throughout the different hallways of the house. They're realizing they're full of shit and the girls are realizing they're full of shit. But Angela is legitimately like seeing these girls and is learning more about what could have happened to them. After they stop bantering loudly, Jackson goes back to talk to Mrs. Green and she informs him that his whole team has failed. And she definitely thinks that they're scamming her and that they have to go. But before Jackson can say no or get his things together and go, she kind of goes off on this whole thing. Yeah, she says, I wanted to give them a happy future. I tried to give them everything so that maybe they'd think of me later and then think of me as their mother, but they wouldn't listen to me. 
They would not be quiet. Herman was a sweet boy. The girls were to blame, not him. Those little monsters. Dot, 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 dot. And then Jackson radios to Beth, we're getting the fuck out of here because Jackson's realizing, oh my God, Mrs. Green is crazy. And the girls dying were probably like at her hand. Uh-huh. I also wrote, Elliot atrociously flirts with Angela because again, like confesses his crush again and is just like, you know, everyone at college thinks you're super weird, but the thing I like the most about you is that you're different. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, poor Angela just has to wait with Elliot and his broken ankle until they start making moves. Jackson then radios to Angela that they're leaving. They need to get the fuck out of there. But then Angela starts hearing more whispers from the girls. So lots of shit happening. Then Jackson, of course, goes to look for Beth, but he cannot find Beth at her station. And it looks like there's a couple things strewn about. Like, it looks like there might have been a struggle of some kind. Their equipment is meant to be ransacked, and I did not realize that until, like, later. Yes, it's hard to tell with that because the equipment is old because it's the 80s, so it just looks like it might have looked like, but... Because <laughs> there's so many just wires over. and things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just knocked over. So he can't find Beth. He finally meets up with Ange and Elliot. They are looking for Beth as well, and then they find a pool of blood and Beth's broken necklace on the ground. And prior to this, Jackson sees Tammy. He sees the ghost girl with the equipment. So he's beginning to start seeing shit. He's like rubbing his eyes and being like, what the fuck? Beth is not answering her radio. They find the necklace. And then both Angela and Jackson see a little girl standing in front of the pool of blood. And Jackson says, I need to follow her. I love you. I'm sorry. But Angela is beginning to realize like, oh, fuck, like you're seeing this shit too. Yes. And even though Angela says we're supposed to stick together, her brother is off trying to find Beth. He makes it upstairs following this little girl. He goes up a flight of steps to the attic, but then it ends up also being a hatch attic door. Hatch attic door. Which I'm like, excuse me, pick an attic type. Is it a whole full floor or is it a hatch attic door? Well, first he goes up this elevator, remember? Because then he sees his mom. Oh, yeah. So he's, yeah, it's the elevator and then the stairs and then the hatch attic. He's going up and up and up and up. We are up. (laughs) Okay. He finds Beth there, all the way upstairs with her mouth sewn shut. He is able to, I guess, bring her slightly into consciousness, but she had been unconscious like she is fucked up. Through one of the overturned monitors downstairs in the meantime, Angela sees someone stalking the hallways. We don't get a face, but we get a menacing gait. And she is like, let's get the fuck out of here. So she gets Elliot up, gets him into the car, into the back seat, and immediately locks all the doors. I'm like, amazing. I loved it. Amazing. But also, why not get into the driver's seat? I don't know. But anyway, they're in, they lock the doors. And I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Just when we start fearing that they're not all going to get out of there, Jackson and Beth meet them in the driveway, get into the car, and Jackson peels away out of the driveway. So they're driving down the road, and Jackson sees an image of a little girl on the road. He, of course, is thinking this is fake and plows straight into her, only to realize he's just killed the gardener. Weird. Very weird. So, of course, the force of the gardener's full-grown adult man body hitting the windshield causes it to shatter. Jackson loses control of the car and runs into a tree. 
when everyone comes to, we realize because Beth was not wearing a seatbelt that she was projected from the vehicle like 15 feet away from the car. She is fully dead. She is fully dead. Angela is knocked out, Elliot is crying and bloody, and Jackson is trying to revive Beth, but obviously nothing's working. Jackson is crying and apologizing, and then is knocked out by Herman? Hello, Herman. He's alive. <laughs> He's alive as fuck. So yeah, he knocks out Jackson and then knocks out Elliot. That's all we get of that for a moment until Angela comes to first gets out of the car and finds Beth's body. Very upsetting. And then she finds Elliot's unconscious body. She cannot find her brother. She's like, Elliot, where the fuck is my brother? And Elliot very cryptically is like, he took him. And then that's when she sets off back toward the house to figure out where the fuck her brother is. We then focus on her brother, who is tied up and bloody. He wakes up to Mrs. Green. And she says, oh my, we've woken you. I do apologize about your pretty little girlfriend. You see, I could not risk having wolves at my door, not again. And I'm like, what? So strange. I don't understand. Why did she invite them into the house? Beth did nothing. Unless we were supposed to think that Herman got a hold of her and he was bored. That's my thought, is that Herman has an interest in girls or little girls, and Herman maybe had an interest in Beth. Oh my god, it is giving Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Seriously, I think that's what it is. Okay. So maybe he had gotten a hold of Beth before Miss Green could do anything about it, and now she just kind of has to go along with it because it's her boy and whatever. I feel like we never know. I feel like we never know who is really fully or more responsible, but we do know that there's some kind of camaraderie between them, obviously, because they're tag teaming the Jackson torture that's about to happen. Yeah, so we get intercut scenes of Angela following one of the girls inside who is like leading her to this action while Mrs. Green talks corporal punishment. (laughs) She says, if those girls had just listened. So we're beginning to think now that Mrs. Green is a very evil foster home mother. She holds Jackson's nose and forces him to open his mouth so he can breathe. But then when he does, she grabs his tongue and holds shears to them. Then Herman and Mrs. Green start hammering a bolt into his face. And I did not realize this, but you did. They're knocking his teeth out. Yes, it does look like they're knocking his teeth out. But again, I could be wrong. I did get that from the Wikipedia summary because I was very confused (laughs) about what was happening. And then in my head too, like with the context of the sewing mouths shut, which we do see does happen to Jackson, I thought maybe that was something that was supposed to make that process easier. (laughs) I don't know. Well, the next thing we see is her doing that. The green is sewing Jackson's mouth shut as he's whimpering. And she says, you remind me of my girls. They wouldn't stop talking, whispering around the house. I told them every family has secrets. But after little Claire, they had to be silenced. So this, again, is making me think back to the Herman lore. Like, was Herman abusing them? Like, accusing him of things? It's so hard to think that it was only Herman because Mrs. Green has the leading role in the abuse that is currently happening. I don't know what motivation Mrs. Green would have had to abuse those girls in this way if it wasn't for Herman's interference. Like, we're getting this torture kind of coded as a mother's love to protect her son. And without Herman having done anything wrong, like, it just doesn't really quite make sense. Alongside this, we also get Elliot dragging himself down the road. Oh, my God. Fine. Yeah, he's going after the walking stick that the groundsmen had. (laughs) Convenient walking stick. (laughs) Fuck Elliot at this point. Okay, so one of the girls then shows 
Angela, a mutilated doll graveyard. I don't know what this is for, but this just serves to have Herman catch and subdue her. So now Angela is tied to a chair. You know, Miss Green even has to say, Herman, stop looking at her. So this is what makes me think, okay, Herman's a little bit of a perv, whatever. She wakes up, turns, sees Jackson looking at her with his mouth sewn shut, and she tells him, I'm sorry, I couldn't help you. No. No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wrote, three ghost girls stand before me, but I only have one working mouth on my face. Because the ghost girls show up in front of Angela, and they're all standing right in front of her as Mrs. Green starts to try to sew her mouth shut. But they're all just like standing in front of her panel style, and I was cracking up. Oh my gosh, it's like AMTM right up here. Uh-huh. A-N-T-M. Okay, so yes, the girls have arrived. Ange is getting her mouth sewn shut, but Q Elliot, which is like, ugh, this is so unsatisfying. He ends up making it back to the house and attacks Herman, manages to stab him in the neck with like a file or something, and he falls to the ground. Then, of course, Mrs. Green is immediately distraught. She stops sewing Ange's mouth shut. She falls to the ground. She's crying over her son. And then she gets fucking pissed and picks up a fucking machete hatchet situation. A cleaver or something, yeah. It is like the kind of thing that you don't want to be hit with. Guess how many times Elliot is hit with it and is fine? Four. Four is correct. Elliot gets fucking sliced and diced with this cleaver hatchet machete four times. After being hit in the head (laughs) brutally twice, one with a shovel, one with in the car crash, and then having like a fucking busted ankle. Like this man should not be alive. Meanwhile, of course, Angela is tied up and her mouth is partially sewn shut. She can't really do much, but she is begging the girls, the spirit. She's saying, please, 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 please. Finally, they find it in themselves to all bust open their mouth threads, hocus pocus style. Who is that man from the graveyard? Billy. Billy. Yeah, they bust open their mouth threads, Billy style, and let out a crazy high pitched scream. Mrs. Green immediately covers her ears. She can't stand the sound. She's completely incapacitated. And luckily, it lasts long enough for Angela to finish wriggling herself free. And then she stabs Mrs. Green. All quiets down. The girls disappear. So we're assuming this has freed them from whatever constraints they had to the foster (laughs) home. Angela tells Elliot, I'm going to go get help. Also, Jackson had been taken away prior to this. Oh, yes. Herman had taken Jackson away at Mrs. Green's request once she started sewing Angela's mouth shut. So we do not know where Jackson is. He was taken to the quote unquote shed. Not a place I want to be. No. So Angela starts wandering outside for help and she sees Jackson walking along the road. She calls to him and he turns around and he's unharmed and asks if she's seen Beth. Oh, so then we realize at the same time Angela realizes that her brother is dead and she's looking at his ghost. So a passing car then stops to help her, which I'm confused because are they on private property or where is she at this point? They have not made it clear. But the next thing we see is Angela and Elliot in the hospital. Elliot has survived, which he should not have, (laughs) but it's fine. Angela then calls the grandpa and he says, oh, like, it's a curse. I'm coming over. You can't be alone right now. 
And then a shadow eclipses her as she's talking on the payphone as if someone is standing above her. And she says, I'm not alone. And that's the end of the movie. (laughs) Okay, I have to say, first of all, I don't know what you've brought to the table research-wise, but I think I like this movie less after talking about it. This is one of the few times that we've talked about it, and I'm like, I hate this as we keep going It is so... I. I thought maybe talking about it would help me make sense of it, but I still feel very confused. There's a lot of plot holes, I think. I think so. (laughs) It's the idea of like, okay, like we were talking about this prior to recording, the idea that Angelo (laughs) is able to free the three girls by asking them for help. And now Mrs. Green is dead. So, okay, maybe that's their captor. Maybe because she murdered them or her and Herman murdered them. And now they're both dead. They're all free and set to go. That's fine. But then why is Jackson still there? Like, why is Jackson walking along the road? Like, why isn't his spirit free if Herman killed him and now Herman's dead? Hmm, Yeah. Is it just like, that's what Angela was evoking in that moment? That's what she was looking to see? Who is standing above her? Is that Jackson? Yeah. Is it supposed to maybe leave the door open for a sequel? Was it her mom? I don't know. It's weird. I mean, we love Florence Pugh. Oh, yeah. She's the best part of this movie. Oh, yeah. She acted her ass off. She carried the film. A weird haunted house movie for sure. There wasn't a lot about this movie in particular aside from reviews. So I decided to go the route of just talking about paranormal television investigations. Oh, shit. Like, I wanted to, like, look at the idea that, like, there's so many shows, right? Like, there's the Ghost Hunters of the World and Paranormal Investigations. Like, there's so many shows that I grew up watching that are all about, we went to this estate for a night and spent the night here and this is what we found and shit like that. So I ended up finding an article from, like, the Arizona Times or something and they interviewed this guy vincent amico who is the owner or president of the arizona paranormal investigations and research society so he's not a guy who goes around and films this shit like he's just like a historian on these things so he broke down all of these television shows because that was my question too if like elliot recording everything because we know the scam is essentially them being paid to go and release these spirits Is he just recording it so that the people can be seeing it in real time, like a live stream? Or are they trying to create like a production? Because he has said, oh, I want to get into Hollywood and whatever like that. So Mm. are they trying to start a Ghost Hunters adjacent type thing for Scotland? Or what is he trying to do? I don't know. Hmm. So this article entitled, Why Those Ghost TV Hunting Shows Are Transparently Fake by Scott Craven. (laughs) He writes, the recipe is the same. Investigators equipped with cameras and various ghost-detecting devices spend a night in a hotel-slash-house-slash-abandoned warehouse said to be haunted. Before the sun rises, they've seen-slash-spoken-with-slash-founded evidence of an afterlife. Everyone goes home shaken. (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) Vincent Amico of the Arizona Paranormal Investigations and Research Society said the shows are misleading at best, fake at worst. A typical paranormal investigation takes several visits over weeks or months. 99% of that time would set off every tedium monitor in the place if such a thing existed. The night in a haunted house scenario is necessary to keep viewers interested, though it's highly unlikely that's how investigations actually unfold. He says, I wish that ghost showed up on demand, but it doesn't work that way. Many ghost hunting shows are not evidence-driven, but more based upon the experiences of the cast and crew, not in concrete evidence. So Emiko also says that he has issues with the way that hunters interpret these static-filled electronic voice phenomena or EVP recordings, which we saw in Insidious. Viewers are familiar with the setup. The experts either place an EVP recorder in an empty room, which the recording is analyzed later, 
or use it to interview any spirits interested in chatting. Since ghosts have no vocal cords. Oh, Oh, damn. They use their energy to electrically manipulate sound so it can be picked up by EVP recorders. In most cases, words are almost impossible to make out amid the static and buzzing. It may be nothing more than background sounds. That changes once ghost hunters put words to the sounds, interpreting them as voices from beyond the grave. A fluctuation in static, for example, can be translated as get out or he's here or any number of things. It's all about suggestion, Amico says. Let's say he tells everyone he hears, help me. And when it's played again, that's what you hear, help me. But it's only because he planted it in your head. The on-screen investigators can also manipulate devices that detect changes in electromagnetic fields believed to indicate the presence of spirits. The electromagnetic field, or EMF, sensor features a series of lights that illuminate one after the other. The more lights, the stronger the electromagnetic change. The problem, Amico says, is that something as simple as a cell phone can disrupt the field and make EMF sensors light up like a Christmas tree. Huh. He goes on to say, I remember one time they showed a device starting to light up and the guy holding the device had a huge watch on his wrist. When they cut back to him, the device was lit up and the watch was gone. It was clearly two separate times. So this is all to say that not all paranormal investigations are like a farce, but they can be manipulated very easily. So I just thought that it was interesting to pair this with malevolent because that's what they're doing. It's Mm -hmm. appropriately set out that they are trying to swindle people out of their money based on the paranormal investigations or the paranormal things that are happening within their things. And we see Elliot and Beth manipulating these things with them pre-recording these voices based on the case at hand and Elliot playing these over the times that he's filming Angela walking about the house when she said to have this gift. And when you're in such a vulnerable place and you just want answers, you're bound to believe anything that sounds right. I mean, I don't know Vincent Amico as like a, you know, storied figure in the terms of paranormal investigations, but it was cool to see somebody who seems to have a history in the space look at these shows that have been sensationalized that, yeah, they'll go and spend like maybe a weekend at a haunted marina or like in this <laughs> graveyard and do whatever and have all of this evidence based on one weekend. And it's like, that's not how it works. Right. That is really interesting. I went through a phase where I was really into ghost watching shows and audio recordings were a big part of that. But it's a good point. Like, what is that? I mostly wanted to talk about this because it's going to feed into the next two movies that we're going to be covering in terms of the Amityville Horror, the 2005 remake, and also The Conjuring. (laughs) Because both have elements of paranormal investigations in them. And being that this one is explicitly about paranormal investigation, I thought that this would be a very interesting jumping point into both infamous cases that are covered in those movies that Elise is thrilled for. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) I think that's it. That is it. So that was Malevolent from 2018, of course, available on Netflix. And if you're interested in keeping up with Spooky Season and beyond, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at The Horrors Podcast. And if you're interested in requesting a film or giving us some feedback, a suggestion of any sorts, feel free to email us also at thehorrorspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, we're The Horrors. Bye. Bye. Bye.